Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? It's me, Kimbui Bomani. I'm my co-host, Clement Gibson. We back again for NBA yeah. Intel, episode five. A lot of interesting topics to talk about, recapping the past week as we cover the recent week, and we're getting ever so closer to Black History Month and the All-Star Weekend. Everything is kind of coming together in its totality. But I'm going to bring in um, a, a little topic to get our show started before we get into the main ones. The slam dunk competition is kind of formulating. It's kind of starting to showcase itself. Shadon Sharp, the rookie, the high flyer for the Portland Trailblazers. Kenyon Martin Jr., Kenyon Martin's son, he's also in there. And another guy, I, his name doesn't really touch the top of my head, but I know there's three guys there. Matt McClung, those right? two. Uh, Matt McClung, my God, Matt McClung. That's your boy. That's my guy. My, my, my fault, bro. You know, it's well, been a minute. But damn. Matt McClung, G League superstar. He was the G League rookie of the year last year. He's in there as well. Clung, bro, I really feel like, depending on who they can add to this list, this might be the dunk contest that put the contest overall back on the map. Um, what do you feel about it so far? Do you think they need to potentially add a superstar in there? I know a lot of the young cats in the league are trying to push Ja to be a part of this land up competition. Ja said around this time last year, the only way he'd join is if he got paid a million dollars. Uh, you think this competition has a chance to really take off this year in Utah or you're still in the wait and see process, trying to recover from what happened last All-Star game where it was a colossal failure. Um, I'm still on the wait and see just because I think the talent is, I mean, honestly, when you put together just athleticism and just dunk package and creativeness, this is probably like a good group. Um, it's just like you said, it's lacking that star, star power. I think the reason why the dunk contest is so such a big thing is because for years it included like all-star level players. Like there were people who were at all-star weekend, not just for that event. They were usually also an all-star game or also um, in another event. And now we see guys who are just like specialists for dunking, which is fine. Um, but it's just not household names, you know, like I, I like Shady Shark. Um, I had him in my top three for rookie of the year. I think he has crazy bounce. Um, I think he's going to win the dunk contest. And <laughs> I think I think he has like that Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon. Like, I think you if you could transport him into that that dunk contest, I think that would have been an all time. I think he's going to shock a lot of people. I know McGlung's your boy, and I just I don't think he's going to have um, the pizzazz to really win over people in the game. And then he has a big following from high school, but I don't think the casual NBA fan knows who he is. So he may catch some eyes there, but um, ultimately I don't think he'll be one of the finalists. And then um, drawing a blank, who was the who was the other guy? Kenya um, Martin Jr. Kenya Martin Mr. Jr. Rockets. Great in-game dunk, great in-game dunker. Um, anxious to see um, what he can put together, but he's a really good power dunk. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I think I just I just feel like it it's gonna lack that star power, and it may be one of those dunk contests where people sleep on just because 
of the names in it. For sure, indeed. Uh, you're right. I think historically, think of Vince Carter, Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard. Um, these were the type of guys that were in the dunk contest in years past, and they were young, up-and-coming stars that kind of utilized the dunk contest Blake to catapult Blake Griffin as well, to catapult their careers as NBA pros. I do think at this point in time, look, you can't – honestly, you can't make a superstar be a part of the dunk contest. Either one, two, or they don't. And I think the best way to salvage it moving forward if on the NBA is look for guys who are – Uber athletic and have a dunk package to their name as an individual player. Shadon Sharp has hops for days. Um, I we really got to see those um, in totality this year during this rookie season, and we saw it a lot in his AAU circuit, which allowed him to kind of be a top ten pick. Mac McClellan has been a guy that a lot of people have followed since high school. That's my guy right there. He's got bounce for days as well. And you brought a great point about Kenyon Martin Jr. I think he's more of an in-game guy, in-game dunker, but the power is phenomenal. And, you know, when he gets a running head start and he gets his eyes attached to the rim, anything is possible on the productive side. I'm curious to see who's that fourth guy they're going to add. Um, I know Aaron Gordon tried to get tricky with it recently and say, I'll be in the dunk contest if I'm an all-star. It's like, well, bro, you should have said that early on during all-star voting. Then you probably would have got the votes to potentially be in the mix. Uh, I don't know who the fourth guy can potentially be, uh, but I do like the makings of the dunk contest this season, and they literally have guys in my eyes that can dunk. Last year, Jalen Green was the phenomenal dunker, and he let a lot of people down by not showing up. But we had Cole Anthony in there. He's not really a dunker. He's got crazy bounce for his size, but he's not a dunker in his totality. So I'm good on the whole. We don't really have the marquee guys we want in the contest. Let's try to fit um, – under the radar guys where they play in the league and they're solid players, but we don't look at them as dunkers. The league went out of the way. So you know what? We're getting the athletic freaks of nature that are super young under the age of 25 with nothing to lose who want to be a part of this competition and be in it. And I think this has a chance to be one of the better ones in a while. So we're going to stay tuned to that when the time comes. Now, ready to segue into the topics. Number one, has the Boston Celtics have rather have the Boston Celtics finally turn the corner they beat the Warriors Clint last Thursday to move to 34 and 12 they're currently 35 and 12 right now because they beat the Toronto Raptors this past weekend through the first 47 games they have the best record in the NBA um during that matchup against the Warriors they won in spite of a lot of appalling things Jason Tatum was 9 of 27 Jalen Brown was 6 of 18 Malcolm Brogdon was 5 of 15 I can honestly say those are the three best offensive players they didn't play well but Al Horford had 10 rebounds three blocks, a clutch three in overtime, and they held Curry to nine of 25 shooting. This was probably their most resilient win of the season. I feel like it exercised a lot of demons for this franchise as they head into the crucial stretch of the second half of the basketball season. How did you feel about the Celtics coming away from that tough win that they had against the Golden State Warriors in a rematch of the NBA Finals? I might add. Yeah, um, to answer your question, do do I think they cleared this psychological hurdle with the win? I say no. Um, for one, it was a regular season game. So even if they whooped them, I would still feel like, okay, they did just lose not that long ago, and it's still the regular season. So, you know, that's not really where we make the huge judgment, uh, judgment call. Um, 
But to make it even worse, they played very similarly to how they played in the final. Um, <laughs> Jason, it was it was really crazy because I'm like, wow, like Tatum really seeing skeletons out here. Like he he really shook by the Warriors. Like just the second time, like after that whole series affirmed it, Christmas Day reaffirmed it, and now I'm just like, I'm so like it's it it might be obviously not like a um what was his name not Kenny Anderson. Um, Nick Anderson, Magic. Nick Anderson, finals. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, I think it may be one of those situations. Obviously, if you can get your team to a finals, you're a hell of a player. But I mean, man, seven turnovers, thirty three percent from the field. I mean, just like in the in the finals, he he made up in another category. He was he had really good uh double digit assists throughout the finals. Um, when he wasn't able to score efficiently and turning the ball over, he still uh, got his teammates involved. Um, 19 rebounds for him uh, in this last game. So crazy stat there. But, I mean, I'm just stuck on those seven turnovers, 33% from the field. That's literally um, a reflection back to what we were seeing in the finals. And then even Jalen Brown, I mean, he six for 18, shot 33% as well. Um, he had his share of turnovers, only two, but still it was just, Outside of those big shots down the stretch, I think he went into the fourth quarter with less than 10 points. Um, so it's just alarming to see that continuously happen. And you know me, I'm I'm about to start. Uh, role players are great, don't get me wrong. But if your stars aren't the consistent ones and they, if they don't show up, um, I think your team is bound to, to lose. And just highlighting those two guys um, really – makes me worried and i think that the psychological hurt even got bigger <laughs> even though they won um and then we talk about the the terrible turnovers by marcus smart down the stretch um i mean imbalance the ball we know as a point guard you don't reverse the ball when you're getting trapped and throw it under your rim um then he throws the ball across the court Jalen brown made a miraculous a uh, uh, save, but I'm just like, why make those two mistakes? And you know, last year, people spent so much time, you know, and I'm I'm guilty as well of saying like he's not a true point guard. They need like a Malcolm Brogdon, which we didn't think uh, they would be able to get. And you know, Marcus Smart started to make more point guard plays and read the offense, and um, obviously we know what he does on defense. But man, those two plays are just not smart at all. And then um, luckily Horford was able to get the ball on the rim. Um, so they didn't get that 24 shot clock violation. But it was just so much bad that happened so late. The execution down the stretch was just horrid. So although they won, I still I still I feel worse than I did about their psychological hurt. Yeah. After the game, they as a team, they look like, you know, they had a great exhale. It was weird. They did not play particularly well at all. Um, and Tatum did try to write it off in the post game as you know it's not that deep. I mean, we beat them. It's a regular season game, but you could kind of tell down the stretch when it became clear they were going to pull away. They were excited. They were ecstatic. It felt like they exercised their respective demons from a season ago. But it reminds me of when Golden State, when they were in their heyday, uh, they were playing the Bucks. You know, this is before Giannis ever really came on. And Milwaukee always gave them problems during that run. 
um, even when Durant was there too. But it was one of those things where we chalked the best. Well, you know what? This is a bad matchup. They'll never really play in the playoffs anyway because Milwaukee hadn't really taken those regular steps that they have now to be a legitimate title contender. This season, Golden State doesn't look like they're going to taste an NBA Finals appearance again. They don't. So that's good for Boston. They won't get to see these guys again because right now, it's just not a good matchup. Like Jason Tatum, stay breaking shots. Jalen Brown continues to show he has no ambidextrous bat dribbling ability at all. And then Brogdon, who I've seen the past few days, he's been really the difference maker on this team as of late. He didn't shoot the ball particularly. It's kind of like he came to Boston and adapted their own scare tactics against the Warrior Scouts. It was crazy. Al Horford was a difference maker. He was blocking shots, getting rebounds, hitting clutch baskets. And then another aspect that nobody really talked about in that game, Steph Curry sold, bro. Like, they were up by double digits, and he just disappeared. Finished the game 9-25 from the field. If he plays average down the stretch, they win. Um, And if they win, that means they sweep the season series. And I think that's enough for Golden State to probably have the confidence that they need to kind of get their situation back together. And that rings even more alarming bells within the Boston locker room. Like, we can't get past these guys. But I think the good thing for the Celtics is I feel they could beat anybody else in the league. I just don't know if they could beat the Warriors. Fortunately for them, this isn't Golden State's year this year. Um, We're not really going to dive that deep into Golden State this week. But let's save the city. Lost to Boston. And Kyrie gave him that work last night, and he lost to the Nets. So it's clear Warriors aren't going to be there. But for Boston moving forward, we talked about this in the chat. If you have about two to three wings that can get down and gritty defensively, you have a chance because Tatum at times relies too much on his jump shooting game. And Jalen can dribble with both hands. So if you have that defensive ability and personnel, you have a great chance to neutralize Boston. If you don't, it allows these two guys to be virtually unguardable in one-on-one situations. So you have to double, and they've added enough shooters on their roster the past two years where when they swing the ball around a couple of times on the perimeter, somebody's going to get a quality look, and they're going to cash. Don't think that they cleared the hurdle of the Warriors. I agree with you, Clem, but I don't think it matters because Golden State's not going to be there. And inevitably, you're just worrying about the East and whoever comes out the West. I think they could beat anybody in the East at full strength. And then they'll probably play, what, Denver, Memphis. I like their chances against those two programs in the playoffs. But what you think? I like how you said Denver first. (laughs) (laughs) Denver first. (laughs) Nah, man, I mean, look, my feeling on Denver is I was talking about it to a friend. He's a little – he kind of was on the bandwagon I was on earlier. Denver different, bro. They different this year. Uh, They're probably going to get to the finals. Can they win the finals? I don't know. But I know – when Jokic is there, they're a problem. They run everything through him. He's playing at his apex at this point in his career. They're at a tremendous amount of depth. They can score the best of them. It's it's incredible. Now, we got to see him do it in the playoffs, and I understand people's skepticism because we haven't seen Denver be successful in the playoffs since the bubble when they went to the West Finals. I get all that, but it's a different feel. It's a different energy. That's probably the team Boston is going to face in the finals. We'll see how that goes. But that's where it is there. Hey, you have anything else to add? No. Um, I I question if Boston can get to the finals again just because. Who, who's stopping them? I mean, if Milwaukee's healthy, that's, 
that's a team that might stop them. Um, okay, it's plausible. That's about that's 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 really it. Um, we exactly. Gonna, we gonna talk, we, <laughs> We're going to talk about the team that I thought would get to the Eastern Conference uh, or to get to the finals um, next, but Celtics got a good chance. But if they see the Warriors, it's over with. Yeah, yeah. If, if that's a matchup again, I, I'm rocking the Warriors, bro. Like, I'm sorry. I I mean, I've seen – we've seen eight games, bro, in the last two years. That's all I need to see. That's all I need to see. Um, Pivoting to – the Sixers. How legit is Philly out east? Because Philly has been hooping. Recently had their five-game Western road trip, and they went 5-0, and Clem. Capping it off with a road victory against the upstart Kings, but he didn't play James Harden. They didn't play Joel Embiid, and Tyrese Maxey dropped 32 points. Now, it did take 29 shots, but I'm grateful because Maxey on my fantasy team. Harold, <laughs> Melton, and Harris chipped in with 17, 14, and 17, respectively. And as of now this year, Clem, Philly has three 20-plus point scores. Embiid's averaging almost 34 a game. Maxie's giving you 21, and Harden is giving you 21. Harden's also giving you 11 assists, too. And they have their secondary trio of Melton, Harris, and Melton doing damage with double figures. This team, they have the talent, bro, to at least get to the East Finals. But let's just talk about how legit they are in the Eastern Conference. They're 30-16. and 16, They're second best in the East. Are you sold on the Sixers? Being a threat in the East to get to the finals. I'm a. He was just reading some numbers, so I'm gonna read some numbers too, and uh, I'm gonna let you guess what that number is. All right, Joel Embiid, thirty-four. James Harden, <laughs> thirty. Tyrese Maxey, one and seven. What do you think those numbers represent, Cam? Games played. Exactly. <laughs> All exactly. Right. And like I said, I prefaced earlier, this was my team to come out the East to start the season. Um, I've been off that bandwagon for a minute. Um, and I, like just from evaluating their teams prior to the podcast, I'm, I feel like I, there's a new rule I'm, I'm quietly instilling. And we talked about this a little bit with the Clippers uh, last pod. I feel like if you're a ringless team, your core has to play at least half a season together. And, you know, I like my historical knowledge. So I went back and I looked at um, the Lakers. That core, the late 2000s core, ended up winning back-to-back championships on two, three finals in a row. The year they went to the finals and lost, Hagasol got traded halfway through the season. So even as great as they are, they proved that they could win two in a row um, and compete the next two years for, um, for uh, or be it within the top uh, teams in the uh, Western Conference. They weren't able to win a championship with less than half a season together. And that's what Phil Jackson, triangle offense, two high, not, not even two, I should say, but just like, Four with Derek Fisher, Pogasol, Kobe, Lamar Odom, like high basketball knowledge guys. This Philly team, man, I just don't think they're going to have enough camaraderie and chemistry by the time the playoffs comes around. Like they can get out the first round, maybe even get out the second round, but we've yet to see Joel indeed lead a team uh, to that land. 
So for me, I'm just really concerned. I know it's they're on a five game winning streak, but they're just not playing their guys. I feel like every other time I turn on TV, it's either one of them or two of them or none of them. Or sometimes when they all three play, they lose. <laughs> like it's just it's just topsy turvy. And I think it's just reminding me a lot of that Nets team with Harden. Um, and then even the Clippers team now, it's just we always talk about this on paper, like talent. It's like beauty is so fleeting. It's like it's that pretty, they're like the pretty girl that's like, oh man, yo, she's so bad. Oh, ooh, like if 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 only she was doing this, if only she was doing that. But then when you get to the nitty-gritty and you get to know her, you're like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> you look good on paper, but when you when you're in front of her, uh, it's not the same so i think that's the case here um i think they're on a good winning streak i think they'll finish within the four or five seed but i think ultimately they're going to go home in the second round just because they're not going to have enough time to put it all together yeah when i looked at the sixers on paper it's championship level top 10 offensive rating it's seven top five defensive rating it's fifth but I'm I'm with you. The two reasons why I put legit Eastern Eastern Conference title contenders on pause is health and Doc Rivers. I mean, let's focus on the health, bro. <laughs> We're gonna get to Doc later. Let's focus on the health. The See, reality. I was gonna say something about Doc, but I wanted to let my man slide. All right, we gonna talk about reverse reverse. I know. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, help. You gave a great prelude to the health situation. I'm going to provide the epilogue as well on it. Joel Embiid, the reason why his led teams have never made it to the East Finals is every time in the second round, he hurt. Like, he's hurt in some way or fashion. Last year, he got hit in the face by Pascal Siakam on a drive to the basket. Well, Siakam was driving to the basket, gave him that boat. Do I think it was intentional? Hell yeah. It was beating him pretty bad. Siakam took it personal and gave him that chicken wing. And that severely compromised them against Miami because their best player was less than 100%. James Harden, their second best player, was starting to wear down. And Tyrese Maxey didn't take that jump that he's starting to take now, you know, before he got hurt. I, those, are, those are the reasons. And so I have cause to be cause to pause on them continuing for the East because it's a pattern. Every time they get to the second round, Embiid is starting to wear down. So they're doing a pretty good job, I think, now of micromanaging his minutes, micromanaging the games he's played. They're doing it with Harden as well because they understand Harden is getting old. They understand Embiid is injury prone. But you're right. When you have never won a championship, continuity matters. It does because it helps build a rapport and a camaraderie that's important come playoff time. You're able to establish roles, personnel, specific lineups that you feel can or can't work. And in the process, you can prepare guys for the big moments where, okay, maybe a random game on a Saturday night isn't important to the NBA community, but maybe for a team I feel it is in the sense of letting a guy like Daniel House or P.J. Tucker know, hey, this right here, I might sit you. I'm going to sit you this game because in the playoffs, I might actually need to sit you, due in large part because of a game plan that we're trying to run or a matchup, things of that nature, certain lineups where you're not conducive for our success. We got to get another guy in here that is. So it builds that level of trust, 
um, reliability and comfortability in knowing that every situation will come to task that will prepare us for moments like this. So health is important. You got to be able to have these guys on the floor during the regular season. So come playoff time, everything I just said is routine nature. Now, got to get to Doc Rivers. You know, Doc Rivers is one of those guys who ever since he won a championship with Boston, he feels is my way or the highway. So he has a notorious weakness come playoff time where when something isn't working, he will not deviate from it because he feels like, well, that's my guy or this is my personnel or this is what I've been doing for the most of the seat for most of the year. It's got us 50 to 55 wins. Why let up now? Correct. Why let up now? Like Miami series last year, he kept playing DeAndre Jordan in the first two games because Embiid was hurt. When clearly a younger backup center option and Paul Reed was better. There were literally numbers throughout the year that showed Paul Reed had a positive net rating when he was on the floor. So I'm just saying, Paul Reed. Then the year before, Ben Simmons almost sent them home in game six because he didn't want to shoot the basketball. It wasn't until Tyrese Maxey started to get more minutes down the stretch that they won. So how come in game seven, you don't ride that wave? I'm starting Tyrese Maxey. Ben, take a seat on the bench. If we need you, which we probably will, we'll send you on the floor for some defensive lineups. We may have you help run the second unit, but we're starting Maxey because he gives us a scoring punch and a scoring threat that the defense has to pay Hannes T to. So those two situations show to me, Doc Rivers just don't have the balls to make the requisite changes needed for his team to succeed. Those are my two worries. I think right now roster construction have a better bench than they ever did last year. I think they have more corner shooting options to where now you can not feel constricted. Like we got to play thigh ball because we don't have the wing depth on our roster that provides some level of offensive firepower from three. You got Daniel House, you got De'Anthony Melton, and you still have Shake Milton. So these are all guys that are going to be important come playoff time. We run run some second unit lineups to intermingle with your star player. But it all comes down to the health of their stars. And is Doc Rivers in a playoff situation going to adjust when he needs to? Because Nick Nurse did. That's how he won a championship. Steve Kerr has done it. That's why he's won multiple. Steve Kerr sat Draymond Green down, bro. Down in the finals. That was a core piece. And they still won. Why? Because Draymond was stinking up the joint. He had to sit down. And Draymond talked about it. I was mad. You know, I, I'm a competitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We trying to win though. All right. So sit down. And let's put somebody else in so we can win. Doc needs to have that type of moment for these guys to be successful. And his track record has shown, Clem, he ain't got it in him. So how am I supposed to believe he does now? Your thoughts? No, I'm right there with you, man. Um, like I said, I was going to say something about it too, but I think I think it's a, it's kind of a plague in the league where – these older coaches are, I mean, I guess it's on both ends, but I think the older coaches especially just do not want to let go of their philosophy. Um, I think the way they were coached and taught to coach was to stick to your guns, go down. You know, if you if you lose at the end of the day and you can look yourself in the, in the mirror and say you did your best, 
then that's all you, that's all you can do, which I think is great a great mindset for someone on the court saying like, hey, I gave it my all. But there's a bit of like a contradiction in saying like, oh, I gave it my all, but then also saying like, oh, I didn't try anything different. Um, so I just think that's the situation there. But similar to the role players versus the stars convo, I am more of a player versus the coach. I think the player is more important than the coach. Um, not to say that, you know, the coach isn't important. Um, so I just think even if Doc Rivers was there um, and Joel Embiid and, and, and Harden and Maxie were playing games, I think they could figure it out. Um, but you got Doc Rivers stubborn ways, and then you also have Joel Embiid, Harden, and Maxie not playing. It's like a double negative. And in math, that used to equal a positive. But in the real world, that equals <laughs> a double negative. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's where I stand with it. Um, I think they're bound to be out in the second round. And I think it's going to be an interesting summer for James Harden, who's probably going to squeeze his way into Houston. And I think he'll have a sad recollection there when he sees that the team is going fast. But another topic for another day. For sure, indeed. Um, saying I just thought in my head, stars win championships, but coaches win playoff series. I'm gonna just leave it right there. Moving yeah. on, um, the Los Angeles Lakers, man, they, they had a little trade today. Um, picked up my man Rui Hachimura from the from DC. Very the got his jersey, by the way, at the at the crib. You know what I'm saying? But picked him up, and you know, NBA Twitter went crazy. Whoa, man, this changed everything. The Lakers, <laughs> man, they right back in it. And I like Rui. I do. But let's talk about the trade before we get into Rui. So, so Rui was dealt by the Wizards to the Lakers for two second-round picks and Kendrick Nunn. I'm going to just come away and say it, bro. So he was dealt for a bag of chips because, bro, Kendrick Nunn ain't like that no more, bro. He's not. I said that when the Lakers picked him up. I know Deshaun, he, he was getting hyped because he's a LeBron fan. Ace, he probably tried to hype it up, too. I'm like, bro, Kendrick Nunn is not like that anymore. Two second round picks. I'm not going to belittle the two second round picks, but for right now, they're a part of those bag of chips, bag of Doritos, bag of Lays, whatever, bag of Fritos, because I don't know what those picks will be. So DC, to me, basically is saying we like Kyle Kuzma as our starting small forward because Rui played 37 games this year, Clem, and didn't start any. I know he missed time to start the year because of some personal issues, but Kuzma basically came into that starting role and has thrived. And now all of a sudden the Wizards are saying Kyle Kuzma is no longer involved in trade talks. So it sounds like the Wizards will do the Wizard thing. Max out on a solid, but not superstar extension player. So going to leave that there with the Wizards. Now, Rui is averaging 13 a game, 48% shooting for the Wizards. That comes to the Lakers. He's shooting 34% from three. And his last game with DC, he did drop 30 points on 13 of 22 shooting in a W against the Magic. Does this truly move the needle for the Lakers club? I know you're a Laker guy. Absolutely okay. not. Okay. And every dog Why has not? his day. Every dog <laughs> has his day. So that's 30 and 13, especially in this era where people drop, he almost made me curse this now. People dropping 40 every other night, people dropping 50 every week. 30 and 13. Come on, man. <laughs> that, that, that that don't mean nothing. Um, let's, let's, let's dive into this real quick, man. Huh. 
I, I honestly think that they have another deal brewing. I think this is one um, step towards trading Rui and maybe others and maybe a first-round pick and maybe even Russ, a package deal for somebody like Zach Levine. Um, Rui doesn't address any of their needs, all right? He's, he doesn't stress the floor. You said 34% three-point shooting. Okay, that's solid. But it's league average, yeah. Average, <laughs> like, and this is the Lakers' greatest concern. Like, is he a better shooter, really, than anybody on the Lakers right now? Like, is he, he may be better than Bron, yeah. maybe yeah. better than Lonnie Walker, but they still, <laughs> they still average. Like, like, he's not moving the needle anywhere there. He's not a strong defender. Um, and then now this puts. AD at the five, if you're talking about starting him. And I know they only traded second-round picks uh, and Kendrick Nunn, but, like, this is a guy who I assumed they would be trying to start. So if you put him in at the four and AD at the five, AD has been very clear that he does not want to play the five and that (laughs) it makes him feel like he's going to get injured. Um, So another reason why this is not probably the best trade um, he's not a good playmaker. Um, so I just don't understand where he fits in this offense. And with him being like a 6 9 4 3, like he's better at the four, worse at the five and three. Like I think his best position is in a dunker spot. But with LeBron right now, I think he's best at the four because most fours can't keep up with him. And then most threes are too small to guard him. And even when you put him at the five, sometimes he's even faster and he's just as big as a lot of the fives these days. Um, those are all spaces where Rui Hachimura, Hachimura thrives the most. So if you're going to put him in a spot like that, that's going to affect AD, who plays around the basket, Russ, who scores most of his points around the basket, and LeBron, who scores most of his points around the basket. And then if you push him out to the three-point line, he's an average three-point shooter. So like I just don't understand. So to me, it's like this. This is definitely it, it's one or two things. I I think it's a, it's either a, a the first step in a power play to get a Zach Levine, or it's Rob Pelinka and the team saying, <laughs> "Brown, we didn't get you everything you asked for. Here's your little pick we made, or here's your little trade we made, so you can stop crying. Go ahead and win with him." And if you can't, then don't say we ain't do nothing because we just traded. We traded three picks. Three picks. <laughs> they second round, but they three. Three. You wanted us to trade the two. We said we gonna give you. We gonna up it and give you three picks, and you got a lottery pick back. And you supposed to be LeBron James. You supposed to make everybody better. So here, this is a lottery prospect. He was chosen the lottery for a reason. Don't make it happen. <laughs> I think it's it's either it's either a really petty move by by uh, the Lakers front office or it's a very um, strategic move to get another um, uh, another uh, potential star. Man, look, okay, so I Rui has been on the trading block for a minute. He was actually supposed to go to the Suns, and there was this rumor that it was him and Crowder they were gonna swap, and Phoenix was like. Nah, we good. And to be honest, I'm going to be real. When Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges are healthy and they got Toy Craig, the Suns really don't need another one. Yeah. Like, they really don't. Um, 
LA kind of does that can shoot. And my man Rui is an average shooter. So personally, I think Rui is their poor man's Kyle Kuzma, where he has offensive versatility, but it will never truly be materialized because LeBron's ball dominant, Russ's ball dominant. And when AD eventually comes back into the starting lineup from injury, he's their best player. So we have to feature him. So he'll, in essence, be a complimentary piece, which he's kind of always been throughout his NBA career, despite being a lottery selection. He's he's bas- he's a tweener, man. Now, he's a tweener. He's not that good defensively to be an effective four, and he's not athletically inclined to be an effective three, but he's a big body that's an eye three-way score, and he can give you something from deep. You weren't really <laughs> you weren't really impressed by his 30 burger, and I feel you. Everybody dropping 30 like it's nothing right now. But when healthy, this is LA's potential starting lineup. Schroeder at the point, Lonnie at the two, Braun at the three, Rui at the four, AD at the five. In a week west that we're gonna talk about to end this pod. That's enough to get to the play in. And in yeah. the play in, who knows? You could get to the playoffs. That being said, the Los Angeles Lakers, man, they done, bro. Like it, this LeBron AD, it's over because AD can't stay healthy. And as great as LeBron is at thirty nine or thirty eight, at thirty eight years old, third, he's not affecting the game positively. Yeah. Like he's getting numbers, but they're still a sub five hundred team. That's why when I drop the post in the chat, you and me agree. LeBron can't be a top 10 player anymore because his team isn't playoff caliber at this moment. To be top 10, you have to be at least the best or the 1B best player on your team that's a playoff squad. And he's not. They're not a playoff squad. So this doesn't do anything in my eyes for the Lakers. Uh, It's nothing against Rui. I think Rui is an upgrade over what they've had at the wing spot that's not named LeBron James. But does this make them a Western Conference title contender? No. Do I think the Lakers are done making deals? No. I think they're going to try to enter the Yaka Pertle sweepstakes because AD has been vocal about not wanting to play the five. So you need a true five, man. Because right now, I saw what Thomas Robinson did last night, 27-11. He's solid, but he's undersized at the five. And Thomas Robinson's biggest weakness throughout his NBA career is he's not a rim protector. And he is a defensive liability. He's, in essence, a skinnier Montrez Harrell. So that's great to have <laughs> off the bench, but I don't think that's anything you want starting as a small ball five. Wait, you mean um, Thomas Bryant? Thomas Bryant. I meant Thomas Robinson. Okay. He did play in the league. He was a bust. Thomas yeah, Bryant. I was a that's what with, I meant. Uh, Kansas. Uh, was- <laughs> Kansas, yeah. He was one of Sacramento's tragic selections. Yeah. But <laughs> was he third He was lottery. Yeah, he was not a lottery selection. Thomas Bryant, my bad, Thomas Bryant, is a solid NBA player, but he's a rotational guy. For LA, and we're going to get to this in the last topic, the Western Conference is not strong. It's very top-heavy. So as of right now, they're competing for a playing spot. I think by the time the season is over, they'll be a playing team. I don't think they'll miss the playing this year. But I don't think they're good enough to where if they're in the playing and they have to play Minnesota, they have to play the Clippers. They have to play maybe Golden State. Can they beat them in a playing scenario? No, I, I not with this roster. 
Uh, so hold that's on, hold, on, hold on, let me ask a quick question because I just heard okay, something then. that contradicts <laughs> from last week that we spent specific time on. So let me, okay. let me just make sure I'm hearing you right. correct because I you, you kind of slid past it. You know, you slick, kid. You slick. You kind of slid past it. You said, "Can they?" You for one, you said you think they're gonna make the play. Okay, I remember you last week being very adamant that they were not going to make the play-in, and they were done. Okay, And then I heard you say, can they beat the Warriors? Mm-hmm. Which I remember you saying last week as well that you didn't think they would make the play-in. So, so l- l- let, me, let me ask again. Who, who are your okay. playing team? <sighs> so right now, I'll, I'll just run it out. Phoenix is 7, yeah. Minnesota is right. 8, Utah is 9, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State is 10, Oklahoma City is 11, Mm-hmm. LA is 12. Portland is 13. Right. Okay, look, I'm going to preface this by saying this. I did say those things. But then things happened that I could not oh. control. <laughs> oh, I could not control. Yeah. Um, The Blazers and the Jazz are going to drop. They are. I don't think they're playing caliber teams. Those two teams gone. I think the Lakers enter one of those spots. Because of the way they've been playing recently. Uh, and that other team could potentially be OKC. Or it could potentially be the Warriors. The Warriors right now are the 10th seed in the West. Do I think that stands? Probably not. But I got to act like potentially no, they, they could 12. be in the play-in. They 12. Mm-hmm. NBA app says, says 10. Dang, they dropped even worse. Look, I, I got to start entertaining. There's like. You and everybody else needs to start entertaining. It's over for the dubs. I have to start entertaining, bro. They may be a playing team. I don't think it should happen. I don't think it should be possible, but they've been playing playing caliber. But I think the way LA has played and the two teams I just named, I don't think Portland or Utah have the rosters to really be playing caliber teams. I think LA should probably get in. Now, when they get in, can they win the play-in? I don't know. Because the way they're probably going to get in, they're going to be a 10th seed or a ninth, which means you have to win two games to get to the playoffs. And I don't know if they've got two dubs in them, as great as LeBron is at 38, as talented as AD is when he's healthy. I don't know. So that's just the reality of the situation. I'm just saying, bro, times change. Look, people. I'm just saying, look, when we ask, I'm talking about a prediction for. The end of the season. I know times change, but dang, it's been six, seven days. You didn't change three, three, three places for three teams already. Man, look, I did not expect the Warriors to lose to Brooklyn led by Kyrie. Look, I know Kyrie on Curry when they go head to head. I know that's mm-hmm. that that's his lunch meat offense. I get that, but that loss was bad, and I just gotta face the reality. Like, dang, bro, like you know. Even I'll be praying on Golden State downfall. But dang, bro, like they might not make At the playoffs. I've right, never I'm heard you say it, but I admit it. I'm praying I on it downfall. That. Yeah. And, and, it's not, it. and it's nothing against Curry, a GOAT. Most unselfish superstar ever, bro. Like if I was a Hooper, I won't play with Steph. But Draymond, Clay, and the fans, bro, they, they can get out of here, bro. I'm, I'm going to just say that. Now, we're going to pivot to the final topic, and we got time today to talk about it. It's going to be. Probably the most lentiest one of all. Bro, what's happening in the West, bro? What's happening in the Western Conference? Only two teams, Clint, have 30-plus wins. The Nuggets 
and the Grizzlies. Three teams have less than 20 L's. The Nuggets, the Grizzlies, and the Kings of Cali. All right. And then everybody else has 21 or more losses. And the seeds with teams from 6 to 13 have 24 or more losses. Now, the Clippers and the Lakers, man, they've shown signs of life. Minnesota is a 500 basketball team as we near all-star break. And Pat is eventually going to come back. But Clem, is it officially time to say the East is better than the West? Um, yeah, I think, I think that's fair to say. And for me, I think a lot of the times you can, once again, I believe in stars. Um, you can look at the top 10 players in the league and pretty much figure out which conference is the best. And for me, when I look at it, in the East, you got Jason Tatum, you got Joel Embiid, you got Giannis, you got KB. Um, whereas the West, you have Denver, you got Ja, and you got Luka. Like, there's more in the East than there is in the West. And another big thing to, to look at is, once again, we talked about it, the injury. Mm-hmm. Um Memphis has been pretty pretty good with injuries thus far. Um, Bain missed some time and Jackson missed some time, but they've been back and been playing well. Um, Denver has been pretty much healthy most of the year. Um, Sacramento, the bonus has had, a, I think it was a thumb injury, but he's um, been yeah. playing through it. They haven't missed too many games. But you look at New Orleans, right? Zion and Ingram yeah. been missed. They've missed like over a month. And I think Ingram has only played 15 games all season. Um, then you have Dallas. Like, although Luka is playing more than most superstars, um, he doesn't have a, a, like a, a great team around him. And then I think some credit or discredit, I should say, should go to Jason Kidd for not playing uh, Christian Wood earlier. Like, he's a huge downer on defense, but I think what he brings on offense compliments Luca, and ultimately in today's age like you got to be able to outscore teams like in the playoffs um you got to be able to defend but in the regular season run and gun um clippers we same story the last three or four years yeah. Kawhi and pg just doing what they want um devin booker got hurt um he missed some time early in the year it came back after that 50 i think it was 58 or 59 point game Hasn't played since. Um, actually, no, I think he played the game after it got hurt and has been out for like a month. Okay, Correct. Minnesota. Rudy has missed a lot of time. Cat has been Correct. down over a month. Utah. Markin has missed some games here and there. Conley's missed some games here and there. But obviously, they're not a team competing at that level. Golden State. Curry has missed over a month of basketball. Draymond has missed some time. Clay has sat out some games. Kaminga has missed some games. Um, OKC. They're not really like they're like okay we're competing they're 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 really overachieving so I'm not even gonna put sure. them in that category because <laughs> I don't think they're gonna make the play in the Lakers who I think will make the play in um I mean AD again <laughs> same thing every year and LeBron right. is yet to miss time so um yeah. it's just like 
that's the story of the West right now. And the same thing happened last year. And I was really excited because right. I'm like, oh, man, Jamal Murray's going to be back. Zion's coming back. Dane's coming back. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi going to be healthy this year. AD going to be healthy this year. Like, it's going to be it's going to be crazy in the West. They're probably going to have, like, six teams over 60% winning percentage. And it's the same thing as last year. Same, same thing, dudes bro. from last year. Heard <laughs> it's like, and it, I don't know, bro. It's like this, there's this idea for like, oh, we want to save everybody for the playoffs. For me, it's like if you're not a team contending for a championship, like you're not, you're a team that can like make it to the conference finals, you need to be getting your guys out there playing and building camaraderie learning how to win because y'all going to get to the playoffs and these veteran teams going to blow y'all off the water anyways because y'all young, y'all ain't got camaraderie, and you don't have any experience because you sat on a bench most of the year. So it's just, man, it, it it's it really jumbled from the five to the 11 seed. I mean, number five seed is eight, game, eight and a half games back from first place. Uh, 11 seed, which is the the Lakers, are 11 games back. So and even 13 seed with Portland. So you're talking about three games between um, the five and 13 seed right there. You know, so this is going to fluctuate over and over again. That's why I'm not even like putting too much thought into it because next week, LA might win three games in a row and everybody's like, oh, Ruby Hachimura is the visit. <laughs> and then AD comes back and then they start losing. And then it's like, oh, Ruby Hachimura isn't actually what we thought he was. We need to trade. Russ and blah 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 and it's just like it's so topsy-turvy right now it's just really hard to tell but ultimately I think that um I think New Orleans and I think New Orleans and the Clippers are gonna are gonna be that three and four seed uh, I know you're, you're king you're doing well but <laughs> regression to the mean brother they they doing a little too well they like that beam a little too much a little right? too much they, the electricity in Sacramento is crazy <laughs> right now, all right? They need to chill out. Um, but hear me out. I, I wanted to talk about my idea for a mid-season tournament. Because I know Adam Silver's been talking about this. And I think there has to be legitimate incentive for the mid-season tournament. Actually, you know what? I'm going to let you go because I've been talking for a while. And then I'll come back uh, well, my midseason tournament idea. Yeah, the midseason tournament idea. I want to hear that, bro, because it sounds like it could be potentially interesting. But in the West, yeah, it's like a microcosm of last season, but worse. Um, it just feels like 70% of the conference is injured. <laughs> so now it's just one of those situations where it's going to be another season where ultimately health will decide who makes it to the finals. And I think at this point, man, I just hope that the two teams that are in the finals are relatively healthy enough to where we can kind of get the colossal matchup that we're looking for. Um, but because of that, I think this is the norm of the West for the rest of this season. Can't really attest to the years beyond. But I think the discombobulated mismatch game at 5 through 12, that's just going to be the reality for the next two months. I do think the Clippers and the Suns are probably going to be the three and the four seed because Phoenix gave me a little something the past two games. Cam Johnson comes back. 
whole different squad, bro. Like he lit up Brooklyn. And then they built upon that to basically boat race Memphis in the first half. Now, Memphis came back, decided to play basketball in the second half, and they almost pulled out the comfort behind victory. But those two games let me know if Devin Booker returns, this is a top four team in the West. Um, Clippers beat Dallas again. And this time when they beat Dallas, their core was there. And they're get like the way the way everybody thinks Golden State is playing, which is, oh, Golden State, they're playing like this because they're trying to flip that switch. LA literally is the flip to switch team where if their guys are there and they're invested because Kawhi the past 10 to 12 games is starting to look like an all NBA talent. They are a top four team in the West as well. So I think those two will find a way to move up. I think Minnesota will probably be five or six. I think New Orleans will prevent themselves from being a playing team. But it really all comes down to can B.I. and Zion come back in time to avoid them from falling off the map. But, yeah, all the key stars are injured. And then when we talk about top tens, uh, Jason Tatum, Giannis, Embiid, Durant. Um, that's four guys I just – I mean, four – uh, those are four guys, you know, young in the East, healthy playing. Well, Durant's really not healthy right now, but for the most part, healthy. And then we think about the West. Luca is healthy, but I've been seeing recently, man, Luca's starting to break down a little bit, which is going to be the unfortunate reality because he doesn't take care of his body and his usage rate is insane. Steph Curry missed a month, like you said. Um, they're kind of resting Jokic for the most part, but a lot of the star players, the top 10 guys are in the East. They're young and they're staying healthy and their teams are showcasing way positive results than the other stars that are in the West that are playing, but they're not 100%. And if they're not playing, they're off the floor, which affects the team's positive net rating. So I think now going to segue to your midseason tournament idea. It makes the midseason tournament idea for the West interesting because it's top heavy right now, bro. Like after the top two, three to like 11, flip a coin. You don't know. And so Adam Silver has a good problem on his hands. And Clem, because of this, what potentially could the midseason tournament be? And how impactful can it be for the West? Yeah, man. I've been thinking about this for a minute. And it's, it's not the perfect idea just yet. Um, but... I think obviously in order for these teams to compete for a midseason tournament, there has to be like an incredible incentive. And obviously we know the most important incentive in basketball is winning a championship. Now, obviously you can't guarantee the finals. If you did that, then you know, everybody would be gunning for the midseason tournament. Um, what's the next best step? Okay. Making a conference final. Okay. Can't do that. All right. Obviously can't, it automatically advance to the second round or pass your first round opponent. So for me, I think what they need to do is either give somebody the home court is automatic home court advantage, right? If you win the uh, in-season tournament, no matter who you play, you get home court advantage. Now, is that the best incentive? No, but I think that accounts for something like, cause most people know and statistics show like the home team usually wins the series. So, for instance, um, Sacramento, right? 
they're one of the top teams in the West right now. Let's say they won the midseason tournament and dropped to the eighth seed, right? They can get um, um, home court advantage no matter who they play because they won the uh, the, the midseason tournament. Or the other uh, option I have here is to pick your first round opponent. Um, and obviously, this this is saying if you win the midseason tournament, you automatically make the playoffs. That's already embedded in it. Um, you pick your first round opponent. So for another example, with Sacramento, let's say once again they drop down to the eight seed, and instead of playing Denver, they could play the seven seed. Let's say that the Minnesota Timberwolves or something. They could get a chance to automatic not automatically, but increase their chances to go to the second round. Now, obviously, this would in, invite some more rules about shaking it up because if they if they can't play Denver as the eighth seed, who would be number one? Denver would have to play somebody else, which would inconvenience Denver. There's a lot of ways to, you know, it, it's still a work in progress, but I feel like those are two incentives that may make players want to be like, Ooh, that might that's a reason why I should probably go a little harder. So when the second half of the season comes, then we can chill out a little bit more, you know, then it's warranted. Because in my mind, they're gonna they're gonna miss games and do what they want anyway. So at least like give them something to 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 aim for early in the season and wanna, you know, reach that pedestal right away. Um and then the last thing to this is just um, to qualify for the midseason tournament, there should be like expected win total. So it's like right now, like you mentioned, there's two teams in the West with 30 wins, right? Let's say it's like halfway through the season, you have to, you know, I don't know, win 20 games to qualify. So every team that gets 20 games automatically qualifies up until January 1st or something like that. So then everybody who knows they're not going to make it, they're going to do their whole, like, oh, I'm sitting out anyways. But the teams, if you clinch that early, get to that them 20 wins and knock it out, then you can take some games off, all right, and then prepare for the midseason tournament. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that was a, those are some ideas. Adam Silver, if you're listening, um, that's, that's something that may be, you know, a, a starter to the conversation. And obviously there's some things you need to work around, but – yeah, I think I think that'll motivate some of these players to to want to get out there and win that that silver cup, which is what I think they should call it. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. I think logistically, it's going to open a variety of worms that you know the league is going to have to finagle through and kind of situate it perfectly. But I do think ideally, what's probably going to happen <clears throat> when they do the midseason tournament, um, the winner will probably organizationally be inclined to give the roster like a substantial signing bonus for the year. Probably like, yo, you get four mil type stuff. And then maybe the league will be like, yo, draft picks. Now, why would the players play for the grand winnings of draft picks? Because nobody wants the team to get a draft pick to push them out the window. But I think it's a little slippery to do the whole, Yo, if you win, you get to pick your opponent tight because then logistically it allows teams to even more feel like, well, geez, if they're not trying to play us, then we could really put our foot off the gas because we all we already know, yo, we're going to have somebody else that we feel is more inclined 
to be beat. So I don't know about the whole playoff thing. I don't think it's bad, but I think it, like I said, logistically things have to be figured out. But whenever the mid is the midseason tournament is this year or is it next season? Like what? Are, no, they're they're negotiating with the CBA right now. So they okay. It, it still may it still may not, never happen, but um, Adam Silver is pushing for it to be next year. Okay, for sure. Um, what I want, and this may probably not happen for a minute. Yo, combine 16 best teams in the league, bro. Like, combine them, playoff time. It don't matter what conference. I think that's the next step that I think a lot of teams will be into. I know logistically from a flight perspective, that's very uh, anti by the league. It's like, yo, from a flight perspective, if the first team, right, right now the best team in the league is Boston. If their first-round matchup is against the 16 best team in the league, which would probably be – I don't know on the top of my head. Maybe uh, tss, tss, tss. Houston. You no 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 no. Sixteen best team in the playoffs. Um, let me pull up the oh, standings. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, probably it would Minnesota. Be, um, Minnesota. No, it would be in the, or it would be uh, it would be Chicago because Chicago's a tenth seed in the. Well, see, I'm tripping. It's sixteen. Well, sixteen, 16. Best team. sixteen. So it's eight. Eight in the east. Eight, eight in the yeah, west. Yeah, Minnesota. So, so Boston would yeah. play Minnesota. So I don't think that's a bad travel thing. But, yeah, so you can still have to play in. And the play-in will just decide, okay, who is the 15th and 16th best teams in the league? And then you go from there. I'm ready for that because we've always had in the past, um, like we, we could kind of expect come playoff time, the Eastern Conference is probably going to have the better playoff series. They just are. I think in the West, the way everything is situated right now, we're just going to be waiting on a Denver-Memphis final, conference final. Now, I think Phoenix, as they get healthy, is that dark horse team, L.A. as well. So the semifinals might be spicy. It will, it will be great to see Denver and the Clippers and Phoenix and Memphis in the semifinals. That would be great. But I think in the West, we could kind of just wait on that. In the East, intriguing first-round matchups, intriguing semifinals, and an intriguing conference final. So... It just feels like when the conferences keep flipping back and forth for the longest, it was the West had the best series. Now it's the East. It's just time to combine the top 16 teams and let's let's let it rock. And I think that yeah. will make even more money and revenue for the league and provide greater interest in new rivalries. Because they got rivalry week now, Clem. It's this mm-hmm. week. And so I'm seeing Golden State and Toronto. Bro, that's a rivalry. But if you no, want that to be a rivalry, <laughs> right, if you want that to be a rivalry in the next five to six years, introduce a merge playoff format where we're picking the 16 best teams in the league one to six and you can still have the seven game series and go from there one versus 16 two versus 15 go from there i think that's something i'm really interested in seeing down the line but before we wrap it up in the west i want to make this statement um i think it's very important for the nuggets and memphis to probably lock down their number one seed. Whoever, whoever, whoever gonna lock it down. They both lost last night. I know right now Memphis, they don't play right now, but I think Memphis later on tonight, they play Sacramento in Sacramento. Two to three matchup. That's gonna be pretty interesting and huge. That one seed is going to be important because it's probably going to happen is I think Phoenix and the Clippers are gonna climb. I agree with you, Clem. I think the Kings, they're a playoff team. I don't think they're the third best team in the West. I think they're going to slide, and I think Phoenix is going to rise. 
if you have the chance to potentially play a Kings in the second round in comparison to a Clippers or the Suns, you might want to take that. So that one seed is important. They're jockeying right now. I think the separation will be solidified when these two teams match up um, multiple times after the All-Star break. That's going to tell a lot. But they, there needs to be some definite motion towards who's the top dog. I feel like right now it's Denver. But whoever gets the two seed, in my eyes, is going to have a harder road because they're potentially possibly going to have to play the Clippers or the Suns in round two. And then in round one, let's say the Warriors get their act together. That's a tough matchup in the first round. It is. So, you know, might want to get that one seed locked up before the season's over. Your thoughts before we close it out. Now, I really like your um, in-season tournament idea with the 16 team. Uh, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see, because even with the all-star reformat with the uh, um, Elam ending, I think there's always that, that question of, like, the, when does the competitive pride kick in? Like, like you said, like with the Denver playing the 16 seed, like, it, oh yeah, it's the midseason tournament, but like, do you really want to lose in the first round as the one seed? Like, that's kind of, it's another game, but it's also kind of like, all right, if I'm going to lose, I don't want to lose in the first round. And then the closer you get to it, it's like, it might mean a little more. So that's another good idea. But um, man, I'm praying for your nets, so. though. Uh, you know, ain't looking too good. <laughs> I don't know if you checked the standards recently, but uh, they they they, they dropped uh, about two spots, two spots. I mean, there. it's an it was inevitable. I mean, they lost when Durant went out. They went zero and three. Um, the yeah. key for them is just be five hundred <laughs> until Durant comes back. Um, and the way the standings are kind of situated, they're fourth, but they're not that far behind from the Bucks and the Sixers. Bucks tonight. Got their core back together. It looks like Milwaukee's ready to make that push now. Middleton was back. Giannis was back. They're destroying Detroit. Brooklyn plays Philly tomorrow. If if is it tomorrow? Is either tomorrow? No, not tomorrow. They play Wednesday. So in Philly. Brooklyn at this point with Kyrie as your leader, as your best player. You just want to be 500. If they're 500, by the time Durant comes back, they should be fine. They're another team where it's clear they don't match up well with Boston. So if they can avoid Boston to the conference final, that's a win. The only way that's going to happen is they can't be a four seed or a five. They just can't. So tread water. When Durant comes back, make a push for the third. You make a push for the third, you won't have to worry about seeing Boston to the conference final. And then who knows what can happen. But yo, two and three since Durant's been gone, they beat the Jazz and the Warriors. Those are confidence builders. But no, nah, I didn't expect them to stay at the two seed with the rent out. That that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Uh last thought for me. Um, I just want not to end the pod on a a sad note, but um I just wanna say rest in peace to the great um uh, Kobe Bryant and Sekou Smith who passed away January twenty sixth. Um obviously we won't be on the pod when the day comes, but just want to share love to their family and uh, their truly missed. Yeah, rest in peace. <clears throat> rest in peace, rather, to both. Um, no, I know huge Kobe fan that Clem is. We have our Kobe debates all the time. But coming from a guy like myself, Kobe's one of the more influential players in the league. 
in his society. So he's always going on my respects for that. Bro was a dog. Don't get it twisted. He can hoop with the best of them. Um, and he deserves his love and flowers for that as well. And he continues to get them to this day. Uh, Sekou Smith, man, um, we kind of built a little chemistry and bond before he passed while I was at Syracuse University getting my grad degree. Um, on one of my assignments at Syracuse, I wrote about him. We actually had a phone interview. Um, I made an eight on that um, assignment, by the way. Uh, and he was really kind of going to be low-key my mentor, and then he passed. Um, yeah. And I, and I kind of was able to connect the dots because I reached out and tried to text him. He didn't respond for a few days. Then I see on Twitter, he's gone. So he's a guy that I dearly miss, um, you know, and he's an individual that I saw, you know, on the TV. Um, my little brother, his name is Sekou. So see Sekou Smith, little brother named Sekou. So from there, that connection was kind of there. Um, great guy. Um, willing to help. Uh, one of the uh, impactful guys within the Turner Sports Network forever missed. I know you were a part of his um, fellowship. You actually won it, was able to be at Summer League Club. Huge honor for you to be able to, you know, uh, represent his legacy by being there and on that platform. So that's dope indeed. So rest in peace to both individuals. Huge pieces in the NBA basketball world. They will forever be missed and be honored on that day later this week. But um, without further ado, man, NBA Intel episode four is now complete. You will see it uploaded tomorrow um, before you know, I head out on my Uber Eats run. Yeah, we do those. Uh, so <laughs> without further ado, it's me and my guy, Clement Gibson. 